Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Our first lesson today is from Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 10. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophecy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophecy to the breath, prophecy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is taken from Luke's Gospel. We are in chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. This is the healing of the centurion's servant. Listen now for the word of the Lord. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them, but when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another come, and he comes. And to my slave do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus, heard, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this passage in Luke's account, there are several of these 
healing stories that Jesus uh, helps uh, cures in, in the Gospels, this is a particularly significant one. Now, who is the centurion? Uh, the word centurion is just as you think it is. Uh, a century is a hundred years. This is someone who is at least in charge of a hundred soldiers or more. Um, would have been a Gentile, whether he is serving King Herod, the Jewish king, or uh, the Roman army. Uh, this would have been a Gentile, not a Jew, not of the house of Israel. This may very likely have been a persecutor of the Jews in some way, shape, or fashion. And so the centurion has a slave that is valued and so knows that Jesus is in the vicinity. And the interesting thing is Jesus and the centurion never meet. The centurion sends out two groups to advocate for the healing of this slave. So the first group is a group of Jewish elders who obviously has a good relationship with this centurion. He goes, he sends them out to Jesus and they say to him, there's a centurion who has a slave and we need to help him. Uh, the centurion is a good guy and he helped to build our synagogue. He cares for our people. And Jesus agrees and starts moving toward his house. But the centurion knowing that Jesus was a Jew of the house of Israel is forbidden from entering the house of a Gentile would have made him unclean even though Jesus himself was on the way. So knowing this, the centurion sends out a second group of people that he just calls friends, sent out a group of his friends to convey a message to Jesus. And so they go out and they meet him before Jesus gets to his house and they say from him, I am unworthy, I like you have authority. And like you, I can command people to go and do things. I tell them to go, they go. I tell them to come, they come. And so I know you can heal this slave. And the interesting thing is he doesn't need Jesus to be present or lay hands on or touch him or see him. It is the centurion's faith that says, just like me, Jesus, I have authority, but so do you. You command people, you command demons, you command um, healing in God's word. And in that recognition, Jesus recognizes the faith of this centurion. And he says, literally, not in all of Israel have I seen such faith. That's quite the statement for a Gentile soldier for Jesus to lift that up. And so when that group of friends, that second delegation from the centurion went home, they found the servant well and healed. So I would, without further ado, I would like to begin by welcoming Major Matthew Simon. So for allowing this to happen during the 845 service, I would say shame on me, but for you to allow this to happen again at 11 o'clock, shame on you. Uh, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, again, my name is Matt Simon. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my better half, Ashley, is over there, and our, our two kids are in the back. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to come attend uh, service here for the last few months uh, since being stationed uh, here at Fort Benning in July. Uh, we are not strangers of Columbus and Benning as being our third time through here, uh, but this is our, our first uh, wonderful opportunity to be part of your uh, community and this church. Uh, 
So I'd like you all to take a moment and listen. Silence. Exactly 100 years ago, in 1918, on the 11th hour, on the 11th day of the 11th month, fighting between Allied powers and Germany ceased for the first time after four years of brutal war. One year later, President Woodrow Wilson declared that the 11th of November would officially be known as Armistice Day. In 1938, it became a legal holiday. Sadly, the war that was to end all wars was not, and in 1954, after the conclusion of World War II and the Korean War, Armistice Day officially became Veterans Day. The purpose of this change, as outlined in the proclamation signed by President Dwight D. Eisenhower was, quote, to expand the significance of that commemoration, Armistice Day, in an order that a grateful nation might pay appropriate homage to the veterans of all of its wars who have contributed so much to the preservation of this nation. The Department of Veterans Affairs, the appointed overseer of these activities at the national level, describes Veterans Day as, quote, a celebration to honor America's veterans for their patriotism, love of country, and willingness to serve and sacrifice for the common good. It is apparent Veterans Day carries a different meaning depending on who you ask. For the 18-year-old trainee sitting in chapel service right now on Fort Benning, perhaps this day brings a feeling of pride and accomplishment as they prepare to graduate and join the ranks, just like many who have come before them. Some of you sitting in this room are part of that group. For the 60-plus world leaders who have converged on Paris this weekend, it is about remembering an estimated 10 million military personnel who perished in World War I. For the Vietnam veteran currently in inpatient care at a VA hospital, it's another day fighting illness from Agent Orange exposure. For the homeless Afghanistan veteran, perhaps it's the day he comes to terms with the demons that haunt his thoughts. For the families of Army Staff Sergeants William S. Jackson II and Mizel Martinez and Sergeant Angel Ramirez, it is more so a Memorial Day, as their loved ones remember that fateful Veterans Day in 2006 when their combat vehicle was attacked by an improvised explosive device in Ramadi, Iraq, killing all three inside. For most of us, Memorial Day Armed Forces Day, Veterans Day, and more recent addition, to a certain extent, Patriots Day, are annual reminders of sacrifice and service. And quite frankly, are not too different than how all of us as Christians come to view Easter or Christmas. Our message of the Christian faith must extend well beyond Jesus's birth, death, resurrection, and every Sunday in between. So too must the connectedness between the service member and citizen extend beyond these annual events. These holidays in particular, though, have helped to narrow the civil to military divide, especially at a, a time when there is considered so much divisiveness in our nation. But just as we are charged to do more for Christ outside of these walls, 
More must be done to maintain a constant connection with each other. This relationship perhaps is not as difficult to build and maintain when you are in a military town, but not all small town USA has the Columbus to Fort Benning partnership, particularly when just 1% of our country serves. Despite this ever-growing challenge, our military maintains one of the highest approval ratings of any institution in the country. But for the centurion in Luke chapter 7, this could not be farther from the truth. A Roman officer and Gentile in Israel was a member of an unpopular group and the unlikely person to seek out Jesus to help heal his servant. The centurion, however, not only placed his faith in Jesus, but appealed to him by using his soldiers charged under his command as his personal examples of selfless service and faithfulness. This demonstration of faith was not only inspiring to the people of his city, but to Jesus, who in turn healed the centurion's servant. Well, I too am a soldier, sinner, and son of Christ who openly places faith in this community and church. I have done so for many years, and my family and I are proudly proclaim ourselves members of several Presbyterian churches that we have found along our wonderful uh, journey here in the military. From Shepherdstown Presbyterian Church, West Virginia, to Pre Perry Hall Presbyterian Church, Maryland, Salado Presbyterian Church, Texas, Beacon Presbyterian Church, New York, Pine Ridge Presbyterian Church, Missouri, and now here in First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. These communities routinely extend their hands or kindly express thank you for your service, but I can assure you all gratitude and thanks are from my family to yours. Through your personal examples of kindness, openness, and love, you have helped to strengthen my faith in my calling to serve both country and God. As the centurion said, for I too am a man placed under the authority of superior officers. So I ask you to continue to build commonality with your fellow veterans, service members, and their families in the same manner you have been charged as a Christian to go out and spread the word of Jesus Christ. We are all members of the body of Christ, charged to go out to serve and sacrifice for one another. In closing, I ask that you all pray with me. Lord, continue to bless us as we go out to be in service together to you. Thank you for your sacrifices of your son, Jesus Christ. Give us the strength and power to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. First and foremost, thank you for allowing me to speak in front of you today. I'd just like to share a couple of examples of my faith journey over the years. Faith is unique to each of us, just like fingerprints. No two of them are the same. The years along my faith journey have allowed and enabled me to link two words that don't normally go together, coincidence and faith. Sometimes coincidence is that gentle reminder that faith is in fact part of God's plan. I'd like to take you back about 15 years, 2003, After the initial invasion, it was a different kind of warfare we were facing. It wasn't one where you were on a continuous battlefield. 
constant roving, and our vehicles weren't designed for that. Fast forward down to Kuwait and other places through, across Iraq. Large buildings spraying from the ground. Workers, fabricators, working tirelessly day and night. And I have one particular building in mind down in Kuwait. As I, as I drove up to it, it was large and immense. I can visibly remember the words emblazoned on the side of it, the armor of God. That allowed us to survive the battlefield for many years to come until the system was able to get our vehicles up armored. It protected numerous lives. I draw on that one from Ephesians 6, 10, 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done something or done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of evil. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. With the armor of God written on the outside, with those workers working tirelessly to outfit our soldiers, all this helped renew my faith. For 26 years, wearing the name on my uniform, I have worn it, but I have not always lived up to it. It has often afforded me openings in a profession that doesn't always look kindly upon talking about faith in uniform, unless you're a chaplain. And yes, I've been mistaken for a chaplain a couple times. I'd like to introduce you to the chaplain's wife. She too was asked a few times if I was a chaplain, simply because of my name. The name has provided opportunities for subordinates and superiors to send out gentle feelers to gauge my Christianness, which in turn allowed for deeper conversations and connections. The coincidence of a name, faith renewed. Living up to the name, I was flying home from Iraq on R&R. On &R. A woman stopped me at the airport and asked if I was. I was confused until she pointed out my name and my uniform. I stumbled through a response. I am. I said much louder than I anticipated. I'm not sure who I was trying to convince, her or me. You foresee I was traveling with a handmade box of memorabilia made by one of my platoons. It was filled with letters, pictures, songs, trinkets for the family of one of my squad leaders, Staff Sergeant Jamie Brown. His mother, twin brother, widow, and son lived in a very small town in West Virginia. I learned more about faith in that one night than I had in my entire life. Their faith helped bring me back from an abyss that I was staring me in the face. 
faith renewed. Displaying the name. I've, de I've deployed to countries where few Christians exist with a name displayed in my uniform and body armor that made me a special kind of target. There was a particular price for getting me at some places. I began to introduce myself only with my first name so as, as not to offend our allies or be called out by them. And I finally ultimately removed my name on my body armor so as not to needlessly endanger my soldiers and my comrades. Faith waned a little bit. One of our former pastors in this church once told me to have, told me to have doubt in faith is normal, for doubt is the sharpening stone that faith keeps sharp. Coincidence is similar as it reminds us that God's plan is never revealed until hindsight. And oh, what it would be to have the faith of the centurion something to strive for each and every day. In closing, thinking about blending service to God and service to our nation is something that I have enjoyed for well over a quarter of a century, and I'm grateful for each and every day. It is truly a beautiful recipe. Thank you.